Let's take a look at the Word today. I want to start kind of, I actually read this last week, but let's look at this again. I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 4. And I want us to look at this again, kind of refresh what we talked about, and then move forward just a little bit. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20, the Lord, now we understand the Holy Spirit is the author of the book. He wrote the Bible, and so we can easily say that it is the Holy Spirit that is speaking these words to us. The Scripture says that these words were written by men of long ago as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So here's what the Holy Spirit says to us. He says, My son, it could say sons and daughters, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. We talked last time about how that when we attend, it means pay attention. Incline the ear, it would be to lean into and listen closely. Then it says, let them not depart from thine eyes. In other words, continually look at the words, continually read them, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now that has to do with, with meditation, meditating on the word of God. That's more than just casually reading from time to time or more than just listening to a message preached every now and then. This is talking about meditating in the word so that revelation can come into the heart. Then it says, for they, what? They, the words, the words of God, the words of the Holy Spirit, they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. And we talked about last time, it doesn't say this is like life. It says the words are life. The words are health to all my flesh. Now, this doesn't mean spiritual healing. This is talking about physical healing because it's talking about health to my flesh. It says, keep thy heart, in verse 22, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, the, it has to do with the heart, are the issues of life. There's another translation that says, are the source of life. Whatever happens in your heart is produced in your life. Jesus said, he said, you know, you got to be aware of the words that come out of your mouth because they come out of your heart. And if they come out of the heart of a good man, they produce good things. If they come out of the heart of an evil man, they produce evil things. We either have death or life in our heart because of what we choose. So we keep it out of our heart where do we get saved? We, Jesus lives in our heart, we say. The Word resides in our heart. Faith resides in our heart. And out of what's in our heart are the, is the source of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Talking about what we, what we say, what we listen to. All right? So the Word is not like life. It is life. It is health. Now, I want you to know something very important here. It says, for they are life unto those that find them. Life to those that find them. The only way to find them is to look for them. You see, if we're looking for life, the place to look is in the Word. We look at God's words, in that is life and health, but we got to be looking for it. The word find in the Hebrew means to find, secure, acquire, to find out. It means to detect. It means for something to appear, come forth, or exist. In other words, the word 
comes forth as we attend to it. It comes forth as we incline to it, as we keep it in the middle of our heart, as we keep it, on, keep it in front of our eyes. It becomes what it says. The word is life, and so it becomes what it says it is. That's amazing to me. The word is that. The word is life. The word produces what it says. In fact, there are three or four different times in the New Testament that the Bible says the word is able. The word able comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means it means supernatural or miracle power. The word is miracle power. So we've got to find it. When we find it through meditation, through revelation, it becomes to us the life that it is. It's amazing to me. Two people can hear the same message or they can read the same verse of Scripture and one person finds life and the other person is bored. Isn't that amazing? Some people will listen to a preacher and they will think that is the most amazing thing and they find the life in it. Others will listen to them and they will think it is just totally uh, uh, um, without reason, without uh, any merit. And so one receives life and one doesn't. I'm thinking right now of the story one time when Jesus, the Bible says, was teaching and there were, there were in his audience, there were Pharisees. I'll read you the verse here. There were Pharisees, but the Bible says there was power to heal. Listen to this. This is in Luke 5, 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he, speaking about Jesus, was teaching. Now, what do you think Jesus was teaching? Well, Jesus is the Word. The Word is teaching the Word. Now, wouldn't that be an amazing sermon to hear Jesus teach the Word? Here he is. He's explaining the Word. Why? Because he was there as the Holy Spirit spoke into the ears of the men who wrote it because he's the Word. I mean, he is the Word. He knows what the Word says. All right? So he says, it says he was teaching that there were Pharisees on this certain day. There were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Now listen to this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now who's the them he's talking about? He's talking about these Pharisees and teachers of the law that had come from everywhere. Now, here's an interesting thing. This passage, when you read the rest of the whole story, it doesn't mention one Pharisee that got healed. It doesn't mention one teacher of the law that got healed. They were all present to hear, they heard it with their audible, audibly with their physical ears, but they did not hear it with their hearts. They did not hear it in their spirits. They heard it with their ears, but they didn't pay attention to it. They didn't, they didn't uh, incline their ear to it. They didn't put it in front of their eyes or let it get in their heart, even though in that word was life, and the power in that life was available for healing in their bodies, and surely somebody needed something healed in their bodies. They, 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 not one of them got healed, and yet the Bible talks about the guy they lowered down through the roof. That guy got healed. But these people didn't get it. In other words, the Word must be real to the person in order for it to be life to him or her. We've got to, the word has to be real. There has to be revelation from that word in order for it to produce life, for it to bring to me the life that it has. I must receive it. You see, like the physical body can absorb vitamins and nutrition from physical food, your spirit 
can absorb life from God's Word. That's powerful to me. My spirit can receive the life that is in the Word. My spirit then can transfer the life of God's Word and the health of that Word into my soul and into my body because I take the Word of God. Now see, last week we were talking about some of these things. We discovered last week that Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the Word. The Bible says that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And and so Jesus is the Word. We know that. Now I want you to think about this. In John chapter 6, down in verse 51, I mean, Jesus has been preaching and people are getting mad at him and different things because they came because he multiplied the loaves and the fish the day before and today they're not getting any loaves and fish and they're kind of irritated about it. But Jesus makes this remark in in John chapter 6, verse 51. He says, I'm going to read several verses here. He said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? Give us his flesh to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat, or food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Then down in verse 63, he said, It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh. I'm sorry. He said, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, isn't that something? He just said, if you'll eat my flesh, you'll have life. And then he says, my words are life. My words come from the spirit and they are life. He said, you're going to have to eat my flesh. Now, they didn't get that. In fact, it grossed them out thinking, we can't eat this man's body. I mean, that's, that would be cannibalism. We can't do that. And so many of them got up and left. Now, thankfully today, we have the New Testament and can gain great revelation about what Jesus was saying from the New Testament. When Jesus quoted the Old Testament, Luke 4, 4, he said, it is written that man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, Jesus is saying that life comes from the Word. He said, he said, you can eat and you can exist in this world and you can, but when you cease to exist in this world, you won't be, you won't be having life. So we found out in other studies that the word life has to do with connection to God. Life is being able to transcend. The word life in both the Greek and the Hebrew means something similar to this, that life is being able to transcend from the physical realm into the spiritual realm and connect to the almighty living God. And we understand that comes by virtue of receiving by faith what Jesus did through his blood. But Jesus said we can't live by bread, even though, yes, you can continue to exist day after day without reading the Bible in your body in your soul, but your spirit can't grow. Your spirit can't live apart from the word of God. 
He said, that's how you get life. That's how you live life the way it's supposed to be lived is by every word from God. The scripture says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick. The word quick here means alive. The word of God is alive and powerful. Do you know what? There's only one book in the Library of Congress that's alive, and that is the Bible. He said the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The, even the joints and the marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's the word that's alive. It's the word that keeps us alive. The word lives, and because it lives, when it gets inside of us, it makes us alive. The, 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 in the Proverbs, Solomon, quoting the Holy Spirit, told us that if we find the word, we have life. The Bible says, we know this, in John 1.14, and the word, Jesus, was made flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now that's amazing to me. Jesus is the Word. The Word is Jesus. The Word slash Jesus is life. Those who find the Word, those who find Jesus, connect to life that comes from God. Only through Jesus Christ. Now, that is powerful, folks. When we connect to Jesus, connect to the Word, when we allow the Word to have the formidable spot in our lives, we connect to the supernatural power of God. We connect to that supernatural power of God that is full of grace and truth. Now, I tell you, that makes me want to have a Bible study, doesn't it, you? That makes me want to find out, what does the Word say? Because if I can connect to the Word, connect through the Word, I mean, life comes. Life is in it. It has the life of God. It is the thing that I need most of all. Jesus is the Word. The Word is what we must eat. When Jesus said, you got to eat my flesh, he's saying, you got to eat the Word. See, we eat it continually. And like physical food, it will benefit us and bring us life. Here's the problem most of us have. Well, we've, we've read the Gospel of John before, so there's no need to read it again. Or we've heard a sermon about grace, or a sermon about peace, or a sermon about healing. And so we think somehow we don't need to read that, hear that sermon again. Well, let me just ask you this. Have you had a steak before? Have you just had the one? Well, no, you've had multiple steaks. Because each time you participate and eat the steak, it brings nourishment to your physical body. The same truth applies to the Word, except it's in the Spirit, and it's the Spirit that will bring life to everything else, including your physical body, and bring healing, and bring health to you. We must eat it. We must eat it over, and over, and over again. That's why Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, if you continue in my word, he said, you'll know the truth. And the truth that you know is going to make you free. Not the truth you knew, not the truth somebody else knows, the truth you know because you partook of the word today. The words you take, that's what keeps you alive. That's what makes you free. You see, we recognize that to be true. We must make a choice to receive the word not just have it pass by our ears, not like those Pharisees sitting there listening to Jesus teach, not let it just pass by us, but we must, must allow the living word to come 
into us and make its home in us, bringing us revelation of what it says so that life in the Word becomes life in me. Woo, that's fabulous. You see, we make a choice. The choice is to receive the Word. What does that mean? That means to find it. That means to, st to stay with it over and over again until I find it, until I find the life that's in it to the point that revelation arises in my heart. Ooh, man, that's awesome. The Bible says in John chapter 1 again, in verse 10, He was in the world, but the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Listen, He came into His own, and His own received Him not. You see, it's not just having seen Jesus. It's not just having read the Word once. It's receiving the Word. It's receiving Jesus, making Him Lord of my life, making Him everything to me, understanding that Jesus is the Word, the Word is Jesus, and when I receive the Word, it brings me the life that it promises me. You remember when, when, when the, 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 the angel Gabriel came to Mary, and he said to her, he said, you know what, you're going to conceive by the Holy Ghost. And this seed inside of you is the Son of God. He's going to take away the sins of the world. You remember that story? At that time, the Word, what? Became flesh. When did it become flesh, do you think? When was the conception? When did it take place? I'll tell you when it took place. It took place the moment that Mary said, Be it unto me, according to thy word. And when she did, the word became flesh. The word is alive. And that flesh in her, the living word of God, became a man who is the son of Almighty God. You see, when we partake of Jesus, we partake of the word, we must receive it as life. Because it is life. We must take it and it becomes life and health because that's what it is. But we've got to take the Word and receive what the Word is full of. We know it's full of life, right? We know that, that it says that it's full of grace and truth there in John chapter 1, verse 14. Let's start there again. John 1, 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know it's full of it because the, it says it is. You need grace? Get the Word. You need life? Get the Word. You need health? Get the Word. Need truth? Get in the Word. The Bible goes on in verse 15, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Listen to this. And of his fullness. What's he full of? Grace and truth. And of his fullness we all received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now why did grace and truth come by him? Because he was full of grace and truth. Because He is the Word, and the Word is life. And so, in the Word was grace and truth. 
get it, in the Word, in Jesus, is grace and truth because He's full of grace and truth. My, my, my. Today we're going to begin to take another look at grace. Take a, let's look at grace. In, in those passages, John 1, 14 through 17, the word grace appears four times. I want us to take a look, another look at grace. You see, I, too much of what is being taught in our, what I would refer to, and I think Billy Graham referred to it as this, our easy believism Christian culture as grace is misleading. I mean, listen, there's much being said about grace, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But some of it is simply not what the Bible teaches, and I think we need to understand grace. We need to understand what it is. Jesus is full of grace and truth. We need to understand that that, that out of that fullness, we have received, if we choose it, we've got to choose to receive grace and truth. We've got to choose to receive the Word before the life of it can come. We've got to find it. But there's grace and there's truth. You see, there's a lot, a lot, lots in there. And I hope you'll stay with me for several weeks here as we look at grace. Take just another look at grace. Today I, I want to begin talking about, about uh, receiving more grace because you know what? We've got to have this grace. We've got to have this truth. We've got to have the grace and the truth. See, because if we don't understand what grace is, We'll, we'll, we'll read passages like 2 Peter 2, verses 20 through 22, and we'll just discard them. We won't recognize what they say. Listen to this. It says, For if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, talking about people who fall away, it says, After they've received that, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them to have known the way of righteousness, to have not known the way of righteousness, than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. How do you how do you deal with that when you talk about grace? How do you deal with passages similar to that? throughout the Bible. Now, we're not going to deal with those today, but what we're going to do is begin to look at the subject of grace so that later on we can put that in perspective of grace. What does it mean? I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of those. And, and, and for some reason, we've allowed theologies about grace to get confused with what the Bible really says. And we've confused grace with mercy, and we'll look at that at another time. Let's look at this. Just, and that we just read in, in verse 16 of John chapter 1. And of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. Now that almost sounds confusing, doesn't it? Out of his fullness we have all received. Now that's important. Now this is talking to believers at this minute. We have all received from his fullness and grace for grace. Listen, there's grace in his word. There's truth and there's life. The grace that comes into our lives is of his fullness. I choose it, but listen to me, it is his grace. Apart from him, apart from God our Father, apart from Jesus Christ, we have no grace. We have no favor. It is all from him. 
It's not something that I can conjure up, something that I can make happen. It comes out of the fullness of Jesus Christ. You see, it's really all about God and His love for mankind, His love for you, His love for me, His willingness to receive us into His family. It's all about Him. You see, grace comes out of His fullness. And we've got to get this in the very beginning here because grace, and you probably already know this, grace is a free gift. It's a free gift. But grace cannot be earned. Okay, If I can earn it, it's not grace. It becomes my pay or my wages that I've earned. And so it's not about what I can earn from God. It's about what God has already given to me. That's what grace is. The Bible says that we are saved by grace. It actually says we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's in Romans I mean, I'm sorry, in, 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 uh, in Ephesians 2, verse 8. We are saved by grace through faith. So grace, then, is the force that gives faith's channel a purpose. Okay, so we, 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 we understand faith is the thing that pleases God. And through faith, grace comes to us. And the word saved, by the way, doesn't actually say born again. Saved actually refers to 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 rescue, deliverance, being whole, being well, is referring to all that God will deliver you from. Okay, so we are delivered, rescued, made whole, made well, saved by grace through faith. When we believe what God said, the life from His Word brings us the grace, empowers us to be saved. Ooh, I like that very much. You see, if, if I feel like that I ought to have received something from God based on my performance then it becomes about me. If, if, if I receive, if I, oh, God should have done that because of all the time I spent in prayer or because I read my Bible every day. See, we, we move out of grace then into my own effort, into what the Bible would refer to as dead works. You see, so it can't be about what I can do for God. It's got to be about what God has done because it comes out of His fullness. Now, the grace that saves us has been defined by many as unmerited favor. So if it's unmerited favor, that would be much different than merited favor. In other words, God's favor in my life, God's grace in my life, is not because I've earned it, but because God gave it, and I can never get good enough to earn it. All right, The Apostle Paul spoke of the righteousness of faith. In other words, he's talking about righteousness that doesn't come from ourselves, but the righteousness of God brings me the bring it comes to me by God's grace. So it takes faith for me to receive that righteousness instead of working it up. You know how it is when you mess up. You know you're supposed to be doing X, but you do Y instead, and so then you feel bad, and so you start doing all these works to try to make up for what you messed up. Now I understand that repentance includes with it repair. I mean, you, when you repent, you have to repair. I understand that. And there are things you need to do. However, you can never make up for the mess you made. You can only receive God's mercy when you repent. And then grace is released. The power of God, the power of God that helps you be walk in the salvation that God has already provided for you. That's His righteousness, not mine. You see, I, I figured out this a long time ago. One person may be able to jump higher than another. You know, you can have a jumping contest. And I can jump higher than you. 
And so we can start talking about, you know, I'm more righteous than you. I can jump higher than you. I've got more grace than you. I can jump higher than you. But here's the fact. Even though one can jump higher than another, neither can jump to the moon. It's impossible to do. So in that regard, no one's righteousness is better than another's. See, you may have gotten born again yesterday. You may have gotten born again this morning. That doesn't make me more righteous than you because I've been born again for, for, for several decades. Righteousness is righteousness. It came to you and it came to me by virtue of faith in the blood of Jesus. And it was the grace released when we believed that got us saved. Hallelujah. Ooh, that's really fun, huh? You see, many people, they're, they're disappointed in God because their faith is not in the right thing. It's been misplaced in the wrong, wrong avenue. Some people place their faith in their prayer. Well, I prayed. Why didn't God do something? Or they place their prayer in their Bible study. Well, I studied. Why didn't God do something? Well, I've been confessing the Word. Oh, man, I've been confessing it four times a day, seven times a day. And their faith is not in God, but their faith is in the confession of the Word. You see, some people have their faith in the government. If you do, you're in trouble. Or the bank, still in trouble. Or your job, you're still in trouble. Those are good things, but they're not the source. We only have one source, and that is God. He is our Father. Our faith must be placed squarely in Him. Jesus told us to have the faith of God in Mark 11. To have the faith of God, we must have faith in God. He alone is able to save, heal, and deliver. When it's all said and done, it isn't about what we did. It's about Him, what He's done, about His power. I want you to bear, as, as, as we close today, I want you to think about this. It's from His fullness. His fullness. And in that fullness, we've all received grace for grace. It comes from God. We'll keep looking at this for the next several weeks. We're going to take a look at grace. We're going to see how it empowers us. We're going to see what it does in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for grace. I thank you today for the grace that comes out of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. My prayer, God, is that we get the truth about grace. That we recognize that it's all about you. That we have the life of the word flowing in us. And God, that we walk in your grace saved from the curse of this world. Father, I give you thanks for the listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you'll come back next week. Let's look some more at this word, and let's find more grace.